Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Relentless Dairy on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com and the Podbean app or wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Tyler Morgan. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this episode is my yearly Veterans Day thank you. And it's kind of a bonus because I had the pleasure of talking about the song Blood on My Hands and the situation with Afghanistan with the artist, uh, John Androsik of Five for Fighting. Uh, it was a great interview. Love talking with him, and he's got a lot of things that he's working on. We kind of kind of dabbled and touched on that a little bit. But first, I need to tell you about coffee. Yes, that's right, coffee, the great American beverage. Um, So for the past month or so, I have been partnered up with American Pride Roasters out of, you know, I say Des Moines, Iowa, but Dave is no longer in Des Moines, but the coffee does go through there. But do you know a lot of mail order coffees, one of the one of the big complaints I've heard from people is that, well, you have to order it whenever you're out, and sometimes you just don't know when it's gonna be. Well, guess what? With American Pride Roasters, you can get on a monthly subscription. That way, every month. You're going to get that coffee sent to you. Whatever your favorite blend is, you know at the end of the month, you're going to get another one, two, three pounds, whatever you want in your monthly subscription. And Dave has also been known to uh, throw in a few a few goodies with those monthly subscriptions. Um, for instance, he sent an apple pie-flavored coffee for me to try out that was, oh, my God, delicious. You get the hints of the apple pie spice. You get that get that apple flavor there on the uh, on the finish and the on the back of your tongue. Absolutely amazing. And some of the stuff you can only get it if you are a monthly subscription. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing this live. It's not even a read. I'm just doing it off the top of my head. But again, check out APR Coffee, and again. So many great flavors to choose from. They have the K-Cups. You can get coffee drops. Check out AmericanPrideRoasters.com, APRCoffee.com. Go there, and then when you place your order, there in the special instructions, tell them that you heard about it through Tyler Morgan at Relentless Daring. That way they know I'm actually selling their product. I'm not just getting stuff for free because I'm buying from them. APRCoffee.com, historically Great coffee. 
like I said, this is the annual Veterans Day thing, and I will get to John Androsik here in just a couple minutes. But first, to all of our veterans who listen, to all of our veterans who don't listen, from one to another, thank you so very much for your service, especially to our Vietnam veterans. Um, my father-in-law, he was a Navy pilot in Vietnam, and the homecoming that he got left him so jaded that it, it's ridiculous to think that our country, our politicians were willing to send our brave men and women into harm's way on behalf of the American people just to be ignored, forgotten, abused, and hated on when they got home. And that is something that has never set well with me. Something that's never set well with my dad, who was also a Vietnam veteran. So, my big thing when it comes to Veterans Day, is that with the number of soldiers and veterans who die at their own hands every year. The biggest thing I think that we can do as Americans is reach out. You can tell when someone is not right. You can tell when your veteran buddies are in a dark spot. And I know it's incredibly uncomfortable because you don't know. Are you going to say something that's going to insult them? Are you going to say something that's going to hurt them? But the greatest thank you that we can give to these soldiers who are hurting, these soldiers who maybe it's just a temporary thing, maybe they're in a really dark spot. The greatest thank you that we can give them is to reach out, to connect, to talk with them. We, we see these on things on Facebook and social media. The 22 push-up challenge. Sure, you can do 22 push-ups to represent the 22 soldiers and veterans a day who commit suicide. And it raises awareness. That's good. Hey, you can see that I care because I'm doing push-ups. 22 a day for 22 days. But you know what really shows that you care? Reaching out and talking to your loved ones, your friends who are veterans. I have friends that I I will see things on social media where they're obviously not in a good spot, and I reach out to them. I text them. I call them. Hey, buddy, what's going on? That is, I think by far the greatest thing we can do for our veterans. More than just a hollow thank you for your service. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people when they say thank you for your service, they mean it from the absolute bottom of their heart. But for me, it's one of those things that I think it's just gotten so passe. In the last 20 years we've been at war, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you for your service. So, my challenge is the same thing I do every year. Reach out 
and actually show your loved ones, your veteran friends and family that you care. Volunteer somewhere. You know, if there's a USO, volunteer. Give back to those who give so much. So I'm going to raise this glass of Lismore Scotch, the same scotch I drank on my last episode of the Whiskey Pod. To those who came before me, to those who stood beside me, to those who followed in my footsteps, and to those who will follow in my footsteps. Cheers to you. Thank you for all you do. God bless you. So before I get into the interview with John Androsik, I'm going to play for you the subject of our interview, uh, John's song, Blood on My Hands, that he wrote after we pulled out of Afghanistan. He was gracious enough to allow me to use the song. So again, John, thank you so very much for letting me use this. And again, thank you for the time that you took to be on the show. Got blood on my hands.
All right, so I am happy to welcome John Androsik on to Relentless Daring. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you for having me. So, I know this has been out for a little while now, but the song, The Blood of My Hands, that you wrote after the withdrawal from Afghanistan went so horribly sideways. I mean, that is a song that hits well above its weight. Thank you. It's uh, it's a song I took uh, no pleasure in writing or releasing, but um, as you said, uh, after seeing those initial images out of Afghanistan uh, with the people falling from planes and the, the mothers throwing their babies over barbed wire to our 13 soldiers being killed and all the Afghans by the suicide bomber. Um, I felt I had to say something. Uh, it really uh, took shape the song when a friend of mine called me and, and she told me she was or- organizing evacuations from Afghanistan a few days after our troops left. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I said to her, are you telling me that you're risking your life to go rescue the people we left behind? And uh, she said, yes, somebody has to do it. And, uh, and I, I expected uh, General Milley and General Austin, when the president gave his extraordinary success speech, to clarify that, because I think we were all scratching our heads about this extraordinary disaster that they called the extraordinary success. And when they came out and parroted the same narrative about what a great airlift we had, and I realized that this was a political operation, not a military or humanitarian one, uh, the song basically finished itself. Uh, the lines wrote themselves. I recorded it the next day and uh, put it out. Yeah, and that was one of those things. It was so hard for me watching everything that happened. My last tour of duty in Afghanistan was there at the Kabul airport. Um, I remember seeing pictures from the Nazarene Fund you know, from the, you know, from the ramps of the planes going, I know that building. I used to work in that building. And it was <laughs> so surreal to see it from that angle. And I remember when hearing Glenn Beck do his, you know, call out, say, hey, here, here's where we're at. Here's where the money we need to raise. I literally pulled up my account for the podcast, which this podcast breaks even at best. The joys of being independent, right? Um, and it's like I literally yeah. had thirty bucks in the in the account. I'm like, it's Glenn's. Take it, you know. Get some people out of here. Do what you can with it. It was just, it it broke my heart hearing about all those people left behind, and it hurt on a physical level. It hurt. 
Of course, of course. And, you know, Tyler, thank you for your service. And, you know, one thing that's evolved for me since the song came out, you know, when the song came out, I got thousands of emails from veterans, particularly Afghan veterans, expressing just that, their, their pain, their shame, their anger. But it really didn't uh, really become clear to me till I started playing the song live. And after shows, I would kind of walk through the audience and Afghan veterans like you would, would stop me. And some of them couldn't even speak. They couldn't even talk. They were so emotional, so angry, so traumatized. And, you know, one of my missions now is to support Afghan veterans and the PTSD that's going on. I've had three calls today about various ways we can use the arts to let uh, our vets know that they are not alone in their pain and that people feel like they do. Um, and uh, that's really kind of taken a priority in my messaging. But uh, on the flip side, you mentioned Glenn and the Nazarene Project and the Pineapple Express. And uh, there's so many of these incredible organizations that are that are showing us that though America broke her promise, Americans did not. And there are some heroic stories that I'm going to tell and others are going to tell that really show the heart of this country. Um, they're not being told now because operations are, as you know, still ongoing. But within this disaster, there are some incredible stories of heroism and the American heart, mostly done by former special forces, former military um, who decided on their own that they're going to make things right the best they can. Right, because I remember early on, like, when all the these rescue missions first started, uh, I'm name-dropping like son of a gun this, on this interview, but uh, Tim Kennedy, you know, MMA fighter who, you know, has his own clothing line. Uh, he's had shows on History Channel. Uh, Nick Palmagiano from uh, Ranger Up. See, I, the first time I saw a picture of the two of them, I'm like, they're in a desert. Why are the two? Up, oh, I know where they're at. <laughs> yeah, is it just seeing these guys? <laughs> you know, and their very public image. Yeah, as anyone who's been on YouTube long and followed Ranger Up on YouTube knows who Nick Palmisano is, and like, so he's not some unknown guy who's over there, and yeah. You know, Thank God we do have those guys who are able to. I I would have risked getting shot by my wife if I had the ability to go over and help with stuff <laughs> like that. No, I agree. And I'm glad you mentioned their names. We should mention all their names. I know some of them, like my friend, uh, likes to work under the radar, and I understand that. But it's important that we recognize these folks. Um, I think America is so traumatized still by the failed evacuation strategy and the kind of Orwellian uh, language from some of our leaders, that they need to know about these heroes that are, are keeping America's promise and who are they rescuing and you know, impersonating the Taliban you know, to rescue school children, musicians. I mean, the stories go on and on. And so every horrific image we see coming out of Afghanistan there's also an incredible story of hope and rescue and freedom. Um, so it's on me and others like us, you know, to, to keep those, those names that we can mention in the forefront and tell those stories. It's, because as you know, Tyler, Afghanistan is not going away. No. Uh, as much as we want to sweep it under the rug, it's going to get worse. 
Uh, there's going to be atrocities, women and children, gay rights, name it. It's going to be bad and ugly for a long time. So uh, for those of us who care about those things, it's on us to support those doing the evacs and keep keep as much pressure on the Taliban for the international community as we can with podcasts, with interviews, with media, with the arts. And uh, it's going to be a marathon, but we have no choice. Right. And the, the, when it comes to the arts, what I think is the scary part is there are so many people who work in the arts who would rather be more comfortable pushing a narrative than pushing back against the narrative. You know, you know, war, anti-war songs in the 60s and early 70s, you know, Fortunate Son, Creedence Clearwater, uh, War, you know, songs like this that, like, really pushed against the narrative of why are we in Vietnam, but now when it comes to pushing back against, you know, the bots pull out of Afghanistan and the culture climate in America, I mean, the guys on who are speaking out against it, you can count on one hand, you. Aaron Lewis, formerly of Stained, um, Zoltan Bathory, he's the uh, guitar player for Five Finger Death Punch. Yep, Eric Clapton. Yep, it's ridiculous. the The counterculture has become the culture. You're exactly right, and it's incredibly disappointing. Um, it really shows the malignancy of the tribalism that affected so many of our iconic iconic artists who like to write about oppression and women's rights and minority rights and uh, gay rights, who we know if there was be a Republican president would be all over this thing. And this is not a political issue. This is a moral issue that's going to have ramifications for decades to come. And the fact that many of our so-called um, voices of reason have decided to be uh, dead silent on this issue, both in the arts and in politics, is I think a reflection of how um, how cancel culture has rotted out our brains. Because if you can't write a song that protests uh, the reality of, of leaving Americans to terrorists, leaving allies who fought beside us, maybe even save some of our lives to terrorists, uh, leaving women to be sold into sex slavery, leaving uh, parents in a situation where they have to sell their children for food. Uh, I don't know what else there can be. And it's really shown, I think, a shallow nature, not only from the musicians themselves, but the music press. Uh, Fawad Andarabi, one of the folk singers, the leading folk singers in Afghanistan, was murdered the third, fourth day after we left. And as you said, back in the day, uh, if this was the 60s and 70s, there'd be 10 songs about Fawad Andarabi, and he would be on the cover of Rolling Stone. And the fact that uh, that's not happening, I think, is a disgrace. And uh, I hope some of our American pop artists come around because this is a generational disaster, and they should be singing, talking, writing, painting about it. Yeah, unfortunately, it really seems like uh, a lot of the, you know, your cohorts in the music industry, the only time they really want to speak out is when they feel like they're personally attacked or some, 
some group that they stand behind is attacked. Yeah, you know, if Donald Trump were to say something about uh, a gay musician, wouldn't even have to say anything about his about being gay or anything like that. People would immediately jump on it as, oh, he's he's a homophobe. That's the reason why he's doing it, and they'd immediately push back. But like you said, you know, there a story out of Afghanistan about a gay man who was literally butchered in the streets to prove a point to his partner. But who's, who's speaking out against that? No, we've really lost our minds. We live in this mad world where we focus on issues, we're consumed by issues that frankly are, are uh, they're trivial compared to what's happening to the people of Afghanistan, to what's happening to our citizens to what's happening to our Afghan veterans. And, uh, you know, it's a culture war, and you're either going to win it or lose it. And I think we're at a tipping point now where are we going to have some semblance of sanity? Um, if we if we talk about gay rights, does it only apply to those um, in our community or does it apply to everyone in the world? Can we say anything that may detract from our political uh, agenda from the person we voted for? Do we have any moral conscience left? And uh, I see it on the right as well. It's not just on the left. You know, President Biden's extraordinary success speech uh, is akin to President Trump saying, oh, I won in a landslide. You know, we in the middle have to say, look, (laughs) let's have some common sense and let's address the problems. Because if we don't focus on the problems, uh, if we don't analyze our mistakes in Afghanistan, analytically, we're just going to do it again. And I worry about China. I worry about Iran. Afghanistan's terrible, but it's not going to be the end of the United States. But if we carry this, this kind of Orwellian attitude into other foreign policy, uh, geopolitical actions to come, I fear for the future of this nation. And uh, it's, uh, it's to me, it, everything's on the line here. And uh, we have to look at things with, uh, with clear eyes not blinded eyes by politics. Right. And, and I'm, I'm glad you said that about uh, calling Donald Trump out on, I want a landslide. I, I think a lot of people on the right, you know, like you said, about having you know, political blinders on, you, you don't see what you don't want to see. And you know, I'm a guy right. in 2016 sitting in Afghanistan, watching all the election stuff going on, going, Donald Trump's just a damn fascist. He's going to be an authoritarian, blah, blah, blah. I can't vote for any of them. And four years later, right. I'm voting for Donald Trump. It's like, because I took the blinders off, and it's like, okay, this is the stuff I don't like, but it severely outweighs all the good that he's done. And it was one of those you know big awakening moments for me that, you know, maybe I need to take a step back and not be so... Uh, not not be so certain about everything all the time. Actually look for the nuance. Yeah, and that's hard to do. You know, we all kind of have our, our kind of beliefs, and, and I'm with you. I was not a big fan of President Trump when he was elected, but I thought some of his policies were really good. I, I, I wish he would have had some of the decorum to go along with it, but I realize we can't every, have mm-hmm. everything. But And you know what? Look. If we're talking about, you know, the decision to withdraw from Afghanistan, which is completely different from my song, 
Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo, Mike Pompeo have um, some responsibility for that, negotiating the deal, letting the prisoners loose. So I think everybody has a part to account for in this. But you're right. I try not to do it. You know, when I put this song out, I did want it just to become a right wing kind of bullet in the culture war. And I emailed personally uh, the anchors of all the mainstream media shows that we know and watch saying, look, this is a moral issue, not a political issue. We reached out to 400 music magazines and periodicals, got one response. Um, you know, it's, uh, it shouldn't be something that's political. And when I play the song live, the people there, I think, by the end of the song, understand it's a moral message. Uh, we can't just decide if it means something to us or not, if it hurts our side or helps our side. And I try to follow, you know, I try to follow many left-wing pundits and influencers just to hear their ideas, to hear, to see what they're saying. And you know what? I don't agree with most of it, but there are a few things that I think we can find common ground on. And once you find that one little nugget that you can agree on, that can lead to healthy conversations and, and I think some, uh, some coming together. And, and if we can't come together over Afghanistan, God help us, because, you know, this is something I think so far and above the typical political fray that we see every day in DC. Right. And I think one of the biggest things that really hurt about all of it is the fact that, you know, like you said, Biden came out and said, you know, greatest airlift in history, you know, Austin and Millie came right. out and just, you know, doubled down and, but no one wanted to take any, responsibility for the failures and yet when general milley was asked by senator cotton you know an army veteran a ranger lieutenant colonel it's like if your advice was being was going to be ignored why didn't you resign in protest well that 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 would have been a political move it's like well what about when Yep, retired General Secretary of Defense General Mattis resigned over protest over the Donald Trump Syria plans. What about all these flag officers who resigned from the military during the Trump presidency? If don't you think that sends a bigger message than just going along with what you can look at and say this will be a failed policy? You know, you're so, you're so right. I, I, you know, I remember I was watching Senator Cotton ask General Milley that exact question. And when he said, I won't resign because it's a political act, I literally started laughing out loud. Same I mean, here. this is the guy who's been a political, he's been a political actor for his whole career. Uh, he, uh, as you said, after the president echoed his, uh, president said extraordinary success, he came out and talked about the great airlift later admitting that it was a strategic disaster. He knew the whole time. This is the same guy I've done my research that was leaking throughout the whole Trump presidency uh, about Donald Trump. And there's a re reason the media doesn't want to come after him because he's their prime leaker. And if you go back, there was an article in the wall street journal, I guess a couple months ago talking about, he was covering up some of the Iraq investigation. So this guy's been a political player from day one. And when I talk to the troops like you, they echo what you're saying. They say, you know, you know, John, if it's me and I make a mistake, 
if I'm on the ground and I pull the trigger and something goes wrong, I'm held accountable, whether it's my fault or not. This guy, Millie, he's going to get a book deal and do a $100,000 keynote, and he's shamed the uniform. He's dishonored the uniform. So, you know, as you said, uh, he should have resigned if he gave the the advice to to not extend the deadline, to not abandon Bagram. But I hate to say it. I love our military. I've played for them for 20 years. I have great respect. But I think he has shamed the uniform, and, and General Austin's not too far behind him. Right, and yep, General Austin, he – he had his own issues when he was in charge of CENTCOM where, you know, you raise an eyebrow and go, wait, this guy got four stars? And it really sucks. When, when, when you're, you know, boots on the ground soldier and you can look up and see what's going on, and, well, hell, this didn't make any sense. But they never want to look down and see right. see what effects they're having below. Um my deployments, I always had the luxury of having brigade-level colonel, full-bird colonels, who were at least willing to come circle the battlefield and see what was going on so they have a better understanding than just what the reports are. And so many leaders, once they get to a certain point, they don't they don't believe in battlefield rotations anymore. They, uh, what does was the report say? S2, give me that intel report. S3. Give me the operations report, and that's it. And so they never, they don't get any boots on the ground, you know, ideas what's going on. It's all been analyzed till it's dead, and then by the time they get it, they actually get it. It doesn't make any sense to anyone who's on the ground. Yeah, no, I, I again, you're the expert on that. Uh, I, I just think you know so much of these high generals, the secretary positions are coveted that you have to play the political game. And I think you probably start with a pure heart, but I think some of these generals get uh, toxified by the, by DC and ambition and wanting that chair and wanting that history. And uh, maybe they sell a part of their soul. Uh, Look, I had no problem with uh, the generals resigning under President Trump. If they don't feel that their advice is being heard and they feel that that we should go a different direction, that's what they should do. Um, Just don't speak your Orwellian kind of rant uh, as the Secretary of Defense or leading generals. That is dangerous. That is dangerous. You're supposed to be the adult in the room. You're supposed to be the one that will tell us the truth, no matter how hard it is. And you just kind of see, you see that in all aspects of media, politics, and now, unfortunately, the military, which to me is really scary for our future. Right. Um, I'm at that point where if, you know, my daughter is going to be 17 here in a few weeks. If she came to me and said, Dad, I want to join the military, I was going to look at her and go, no, don't do it. Because... I, I had 17 years from the time I was 17 years old. I enlisted in the national guard, you know, before nine 11, then, you know, eight years later, I went active duty for another eight years. So 
I have watched such a huge shift from, you know, leaving what we all used to call old army into whatever this is now. Well, in the four years since I've been out, it's gotten even worse. And it's like, no, I don't do that. You're, you're just going to be a tool for political games because, oh, you're a female soldier. You'll be a female soldier. Let's get you into a, a combat arms role so we can, you know, have these numbers and go, see, look, our, our social experiment's working. No, I, I hear you. And you're not the first person who said that to me, uh, military family. And isn't that a shame? Uh, one of the great legacies of our nation is military families passing down service from generation to generation. Um, and I, I, I don't blame you. I have a 21-year-old son and a 20-year-old daughter. And if they came to me with the same question, I'm going to join the service, I would be scared. You know, you're going to be scared no matter what. But at least you want to think that your, your child, your family member is fighting for the values we've had for over 200 years, you know, for freedom and helping people and giving people an opportunity to experience what we do and, and that we're the good guys. But uh, I'm not sure who America is anymore. You know, are we the Normandy America? Are we the pull down the wall America? Or are we the America that leaves our allies and our, our fellow citizens to a terrorist group? Um, I don't know. And that's why I think it's important we keep fighting for the, for the America that we, we love and we know that we should be. And that, our, that we'd be proud to have our kids serve. Uh, in that military, but it is a strange time, Tyler. I'm with you, man. Yeah, and I, I, I'm the, I'm the son of a man who, he dodged the draft by enlisting, in 1970. He's like, I don't want to get drafted. <laughs> where, where, where's the recruiter? I'm going to enlist. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So I mean, so it, yeah, it, it is really scary. My brother, he retired from the army, uh, five six years ago. You know, my dad, his twin brother, they were in the same unit in Vietnam together. Have you know, and, wow. and my dad's family, one, two, three, four, at least five, you know, veterans just in my dad's immediate family. So, I mean, it's, wow, it's really scary that, you know, I would look at my kids and go, no, think long and hard about it before you sign any papers. It is sad. It is scary. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's worth fighting for the country where we would be proud of our kids. And, and uh, I feel sorry for them, you know, to be put in these situations. You know, I'm playing a show this week down in San Diego at Pendleton where we lost many 11 of the soldiers of the 13. I can't imagine what those families are thinking. And, and, um, and I, I, you know, all we can do is, is fight for what we believe is, is right and try to force some accountability. Now, look, I don't think Millie and Austin are going to have any accountability un- under this administration, but history will judge them accountable and the, the ballot box will judge people accountable. So I think, you know, we need to elect leaders who have some common sense, who understand about accountability, telling the truth. Um, and hopefully uh, the next time we start appointing secretaries to, uh, to of defense and, our military leaders, maybe we go back to the drawing board and find people who have a have a heart and a spine and integrity that we're not seeing in the current group. 
Right. And, and one of the things that I've noticed really, and this is, I see this in politicians in the house in the Senate. And I see this a lot with, you know, some of the appointees that Trump and uh, Biden have both made is with a lot of the, uh, you know, senior NCO, senior officers who get out of the military that, and then go into politics or become appointees over DOD or Secretary of the Army or any of that, is they were in so long that they became ingrained into how the bureaucracy works. And so when it comes for them to have a chance to go, okay, we've seen for 15, 20 years how bad things have been and we can affect change, they resort to what bureaucracies do best, protecting the bureaucracy. And that's just so disheartening for me, you know, that maybe some of these guys who've been on the inside aren't going to bring any change. It is, you know, it, it all, some, sometimes it almost makes you want to throw in the towel, but you know, I, I, I take heart that I do think there's some good folks out there. You know, we're seeing it on the ground, as we mentioned with the evacs, I'm actually even seeing it in, in the Senate. You know, uh, I'm working with Joni Ernst on an Americans for Afghanistan bipartisan project. And just the other day, every female senator, Republican and Democrat, signed a letter to the president insisting that he take action on the, the women's rights disaster in Afghanistan. You see people like Senator Blumenthal speak out against Afghanistan. So I think Afghanistan may be one of the few things that we can – garner some support from everyone. And, and maybe that will lead to some more common sense within our military. And, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give up. I know you're not going to give up. It's too important. The country is too great. You know, yes, the world is. depends on us. I'm, I'm making a music video for, for, uh, for blood on my hands that we'll put out in a couple weeks that will hopefully continue to keep a spotlight down there and we'll have more initiatives to hold accountability and, and help our Afghan vets and, and uh, the, the refugees. So it, it's going to be a marathon, but um, again, that's, that's who we are in this country. And I think that's the most, that's the majority of this country. And I think you're starting to see a lot of people stand up who are sick of it. We saw that in Virginia in the election a little bit a while ago. Uh, I think parents are starting to stand up. I think, um, uh, some leaders, some artists are starting to stand up. Hopefully we'll get some more and maybe we're, we're seeing uh, a lighter day coming uh, in the, in the near future. I, I hope that's true, John. I really do. Uh, just want to thank you for coming on the show. I know you're busy. I'm let you go. Uh, where can people uh, follow you to see what's going on with your projects? Sure. You can go to fiveforfighting.com. you know, Twitter, it's at John Androsic. Um, Tour dates are there. Uh, Afghanistan stuff's there. Uh, and again, uh, thank you, Tyler, for your service, for your clarity. Uh, I think we're of one mind here. I look forward to talking to you again as we we move some of these projects forward, and and hopefully we can we can get to a place where if your daughter wants to join the military, uh, that'll be a, a happy day in your house. All right. Again, thanks again uh, so much for joining me, John. I know you're so busy. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tyler. Take care, buddy. Yep.
that's going to do it for this episode. Again, John, thank you. I don't know how many times I can say thank you for being on the show, but again, thank you for coming on. I'll look forward to talking to you again in the future with some of your other endeavors. Awesome. Look forward to hearing about that and how well that's going. I'm going to do the same four things I do every week. Number one, please, please subscribe. Hit that subscribe button or follow button, whatever your podcast app does. Or if you're on Facebook, you know, hit the Relentless Daring Facebook page and you can listen to the podcast right there. Again, totally awesome. Thanks again for listening to that. Um, Also, number two, I want you to hit, after you subscribed, please rate it five stars. Five, five, five. Five stars. I'll accept four. Anything three and below, we need to talk. We need to have a long conversation about what it means to be nice to humble podcasters. Once you have rated, write a review. Tell people you like the show. You know, say some good things. I mean, don't write a novel telling how awesome and amazing I am because we all know it's not true, but just a few nice words. That's all I ask. And finally, number four, the last thing I always ask, please share this episode, especially this episode being a Veterans Day episode, uh, talking with John Androsik. I want him to have his message out as far as I can get it, and it helps him out so much in the things that he's wanting to do to stand up for our servicemen and our servicewomen. Again, please share the episode. I don't think you'll find too many people who are going to hate this one. Wait till my next live stream. That will probably be another story. Again, thank you so very much. If you want to support this podcast, be sure to go to RelentlessDaring.com at the top of the page. You will see that donate button. Click it, and it'll take you to PayPal. You can set up a one-time or a recurring donation or maybe you want something out of your money besides less money in your pay bank account. You can go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop and check out the new fancy Let's Go Brandon t-shirts I've got made up there for sale. Or coffee cups, hats, mugs, whatever you want to get that I have listed. Again, all that money goes into keeping this show hosted on the interwebs and keeps the website running, blah, 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 inside baseball stuff. Again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.